Attendance at churches and other places of worship is in decline right across the country, forcing a number of those churches to close their doors. One man. I'm bald. One woman. I'm not bald. Battling the forces of evil. We're broadcasting live back in history. It's a mystery. Please explain to me how you hear me from metal and plastic. Ascribe and declare. Welcome to Ascribe and Declare. We're glad you're listening with us. My daughter just came down. She's about six. How old is she? I forget. Six or seven. Everly? No. Nine. Oh, nine. Yeah. <laughs> She's six, almost seven. Six, almost seven. And uh, she she was complaining because she said, how come the oranges say seedless oranges, but they still have seeds? <laughs> I'm like, welcome to the world. <laughs> They can actually like le- legitimately advertise oranges without seeds, and yeah. yet there's a seed in them. All advertising. Yep. So we, we could sue them and make a million dollars. Ooh, sounds like a plan. Okay. The seeded orange so, case. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we Miranda found this article that came on Desiring God, and it was good. She forwarded it to me, and she's like, uh, "Matt, are we contributing?" to the mess of Christian media mm-hmm. <laughs> with the podcast. And uh, I'm not afraid to ch- take that challenge on because, and if you read the article, it's a good article. It's called, Is Christian Radio of the Devil? Of the Devil. Obviously, it's trying to get people to read it. And that's the question. Is Christian Radio, is, and he, he means more broadly, is Christian media of the devil? And is it steering people away from Christ? And I've, I've said that for years, actually. Yeah. I've said, I walked into my pastor's office once and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty convinced that Christian radio produces and reinforces false converts because I had a coworker and she was living in sin, living with a boyfriend Never, never attending church, doesn't read her Bible, doesn't do anything. But yet, every time we got in the the truck, she would flip on her KTIS, Christian radio, and sing along with the songs and worship, or so she thought, singing songs. It's positive and encouraging. Yep, it was positive. And she was, you know, probably went through a divorce and probably, you know, dealt with alcohol and other horrible addictions and uh that made her feel good yeah it, it does make you feel good and encouraged thinking god is on your side whoever god might be to you yeah mm-hmm. that he's blessing the things you're going through oh i'm going through such a struggle i'm going through this divorce and i need god's strength and it's you or you're you're doing things that are literally against the word of god but yeah. then you're listening to music that's saying you're a Christian. Yes. And it reinforces a false That God conversion. is with you no matter what, even yeah. when you're living in sin. Yeah. Well, he, he's here. Yes. And, you know, he wants to help <laughs> us through it, but not in the way that they're thinking. His involvement might actually be disciplining you. Yeah. Not so much blessing you. Yeah. Or calling you to become a Christian, to love God. Anyway, okay, side. So that was a rant. This, so... Not all Christian radio is bad, obviously. And if you read the article, he has a, he ends that way. 
but we're going to talk about the first point. So he, he asks five questions, and we just want to kind of go through those questions and talk about them a little bit and explain, you know, what we're doing, what he's talking about, and... Because we have tried to think through this intentionally. Intentionally. <laughs> Thinking through what we're doing and whether it's hopefully helpful or not. <clears throat> yeah, so hopefully it is helpful. So question one. First question. Am I learning to worship without community? Mm-hmm. This is exactly what Christian radio is doing. Yes. And, and I'm not saying, again, we have to preface this so many times. There are right ways to use Christian media. Yeah. But 90% or more of the uses of Christian media are wrong. And yeah, as a replacement. Yeah, they're replacing things that were meant for your your sanctification. So he says, are you learning to worship without community? Are you just turning on the radio and starting to worship God as if it's just about you singing a song? Yeah. And your individual and when you're worshiping without a community, you don't have that accountability. You're not being known by your leaders. Other people aren't seeing how you live life. And I think of there was that Facebook. There's a Facebook group, and I keep seeing posts from it. And it's a podcast. It's one Christian ministry. Great content that I've seen from them. But you can see people mistaking it as their community to get advice. And they're coming yeah. to people for prayer requests. They're coming to people for advice on really serious things that they need a shepherd, they need a pastor in their life about these issues, not some person. They don't know their theology. They don't know their background. They don't know if they're the people they're looking for advice for are living in sin, and they're just coming to these people. And so it's they're going to the wrong community. Yeah, that community doesn't know them in and out, mm -hmm. and it doesn't know how to give the proper advice to their exact situation. Yeah. You know, you you send out a blanket statement. Hey, I'm having trouble beating my wife. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that that community it's responds by, hey, stop beating your wife. Yeah. You know that there's no way for them to know what's causing it or what's going on in your life, what types of sins you're struggling with. Yeah. So what we're and you may have noticed how we're talking about something that's not necessarily worship music. Yeah, because. <laughs> The American church has associated worship with music. Yeah. That's and really, we true. need to be, we're going to use worship as a broader category, as in church, worshiping, the gathering together, of believers, the gathering of believers to worship God. And that's through preaching, that's through the sacraments, you know, uh, and it is through music, you know, mm -hmm. the things you go to as a, as a group and a body of Christ. Uh, yeah, so when so Christian music, when you just isolate yourself and you just start listening to that stuff, you're pulling yourself out of that community and you're worshiping God in isolation, which has its place. And going to church can be pretty uncomfortable. Once you get there, you're there for a little while, people start to know you. People don't want to be known. That's why they leave the church. Yeah. And that's why Christian music contributes and helps them. Okay, let's go back to this article. Here's the quote. From the first question, uh, in contrast, true Christian community poses significant relational challenges. Perhaps this very reality makes us desire the comfort Christian media can offer. But what if the challenge of relationships in the body of Christ is a true good thing from God? What if God tends to sanctify us through gathering for corporate worship? 
Mm, I think the word sanctify is such a good point there. Yeah. We all want to be encouraged and uplifted, but it's not encouraging when somebody draws out your sin or Mm -hmm. there's that one awkward person in your small group and you don't want to have to befriend them or, you know, serve. And yeah, it sanctifies us to love those people. All right. Well, let's listen to our first clip. This is on declining church attendance with Russell Moore and Sky Jathani on Russell's podcast, Signposts. Well, I think one of the things uh, that uh, that is a piece of this is the fact that we do have many people who assume uh, that church is about downloading uh, either some sort of information or some sort of experience uh, mm-hmm. that they could go and, and find elsewhere, rather than seeing the church as something in the worship gathering itself as being a, a spiritual uh, experience, so that as Jesus promises, two or three gathered together, I'll be with you. In the book of Hebrews, you've come to Mount Zion, that there's a, a sense in which the, the preaching event is different in a gathered, incarnational, live worship service than simply getting information from a book or, or, or from a podcast. Just as the congregational singing, instructing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, is different in a gathered group of people gathered together than it is listening to worship songs uh, in the car and, and singing along with them. I think we've lost that sense of, of what makes the gathering itself different from simply equipping me for the rest of the week. I could not agree with you more. And this is where our evangelical tradition, I think, has, it's been an unintended consequence of our commitment to utilizing whatever media is available to us or whatever medium is available to us in order to advance the spread of the gospel. That's a good instinct. Mm -hmm. The unintended consequence has been over the last hundred years, as we've used radio and television and the internet, um, what we've inadvertently communicated to people is that the medium doesn't matter. And all that matters is message. And we do it even when we do gather in some of our churches. Some of us have zero incarnate real communion with the people around us. We're just looking at a giant screen of some guy preaching that may have been recorded in another location in the country. So we've disincarnated, and the irony is, of all people, we should not be people of disincarnation. We should be people of incarnation. But our own tradition of the church has disincarnated it and inadvertently communicated that the message is what's most important and how you get it or where you get it or when you get it doesn't matter at all. And that's undermined the very value of gathering that now we're all kind of freaking out about because people aren't showing up in the church. I like that. I think it's neat how he talks about that there is something spiritual that happens when we gather as believers that doesn't happen when you're on your own you know, listening to songs in the car, uh, listening to things. There is that when two or more are gathered piece to it that I don't think we pay any attention to when we're at church. And what's been happening is we've taken this devotional time, Mm -hmm. which is very important. We want to have a relationship with Christ. We want to have our private worship with reading and maybe even singing and prayer. But we've turned that into what church is now. So people even feel comfortable staying home in their pajamas and listening to a sermon Yeah, as if that's church. Oh, I go to church at my house. Well, no, actually you don't. The church is the body of Christ. Yeah, You don't go to the body of Christ. You are out of the body of Christ. 
Yes. You were going to talk a little bit, Miranda, did you have something about this actual podcast? Yeah, so the whole podcast, I encourage you to go listen to it. It's It has a lot of good points, and he even says that people used to say when they attended church regularly, they were meaning about twice a week. Yeah. And nowadays, we mean that to be maybe twice a month, and we've been recently even talking about that. I miss those days of you lived at the church, and there was that community and that body, and you... You set up chairs. Yeah, you set up you, chairs. You you, you, put, you put away tables. You, you know? dust mopped the floor, the big dim floors. and Yeah, and there was just that community aspect you had. And now we have to create things like small groups and different things to be in people's lives. But that's not even really life because you're not doing life together. Mm-hmm. You're meeting together. You're showing up for a book club yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, some do it well. Yeah. Most of the time it's a book club. Yeah, and it is it is one of those results of the culture and of people's busyness. And because people aren't living in the church, so to speak, we have to create other ways to get to know people. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I just thought that was really interesting. The other thing that I thought was great is he talks about how pastors need to be the shepherds of their people. They need to see themselves as an ambassador of Christ to that congregation. Mm -hmm. And he gives an example of preaching to his people when they had just gone through a great loss. And he was unaware of that and showing how he was not the right person to address their congregation. And I think that that's so important to just not, we pick and choose, oh, I'm struggling with this, so I think this is what I need. But sometimes we need that wise shepherd, that elder to come alongside us and say, you know, you think you need this, but I see this maybe sin area in your life. And what you really need is this. And Mm -hmm. something you're not giving up to God or... Yeah. yeah, and our pastor even our pastor has said that that's why he preaches exegetically because it's easy for us to pick and choose what we think we need to hear, what we think is relevant to our life, but really the whole Bible is. Mm-hmm. And when we pull out those some of those pieces that we might be tempted to skip over, there's deeper truths in there yeah. to get into our hearts that affect those things like our marriages and our parenting and the way we relate to our coworkers. Mm-hmm. Well, you just touched on exegetical preaching, but. We're not going to dwell on that, but we will do a whole episode for sure on exegetical preaching and why it is so essential to your Christian life. So here's a clip by Brady Shearer from YouTube, Five Reasons Millennials Stopped Attending Church. And I don't just see this as millennials. I think this is just reasons in general that people are leaving church. I cut them all out and I just put them back to back. So uh, sorry, Brady, if that... <laughs> well, let's look at five research-backed reasons. Reason number one, to most millennials, church feels fake. Barna reported that 66% of millennials perceive American churchgoers to be hypocritical. The second reason that millennials have stopped attending church is because of the exclusivity factor. To quote the book, Making Space for Millennials by Barna Research, substantial majorities of millennials who don't go to church say they see Christians as judgmental. Reason number three, the millennials have stopped attending church. Churches can put the word community in their name, or they can pay lip service to widows and orphans in their mission statements, but millennials don't always see it playing out like that in practice. Reason number four, the millennials are attending church less frequently. In another Barna study, 52% of respondents perceived current day Christianity to be aggressive and hypercritical. Finally, the fifth reason millennials are leaving the church, we want to talk through the big issues, the stuff that's controversial, the stuff that we're trying to work through. We don't want to shy away from it or, you know, shove it under the rug. Basically, he just says, 
five things. One, we're fake and hypocritical. Two, we're exclusive and judgmental. These are all really almost the same thing. They're just kind of, um, not all of them, but some of them are just a different word for the same thing. Three, there's no community, lack of community. Four, we're critical of others. And five, there's no place for discussion. It's, it seems like it's a felt thing. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, we're sinners. Yeah. But, it, but, it, but by the definition hypocritical, we're not hypocritical. We just look hypocritical yep. because they think, oh, you're a Christian. You should be good. You should be like the Mormons. Yeah. The Mormons are known for being really good. Okay. But we're not. We're human. Yeah. I want to be good. I want to love you better, mm-hmm. but I'm not perfect. So when we fall and sin, oh, look at that guy. He's a hypocrite. He yeah. says he's trying to be good. Well, here's the here's the reason it's not hypocritical. I don't say that. I say I'm a sinner. Yeah. I'm in need of God. I need grace. I mess up every single day and I don't love people enough. Yeah. So when I do that, it's not hypocritical. That's actually well, who I am. <laughs> and they're probably also confusing people claiming Christianity that are hypocritical. Exactly. They are saying that they're Christians and they're not. And yep. that is hypocritical. We know by the same statistics, Barna and others, that over 80% of people that claim to be Christian don't live Christianly. You know, like as in loving God, loving the Bible. See, you can love God and love the Bible and love the church and still sin. Yeah. But there's only about 5% that actually um, live as if they are born again. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we can only go by what people live like. We can't go by, we don't know their heart. Uh, the other thing, exclusive, judgmental. This is us to them in the other the other way. We would say, oh, you guys are going to hell. Well, they just call that judgmental. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I don't know how to help that. Yeah, that I, is a fact <laughs> apart from Christ. Yeah. My belief says this. So, yes, we're going to seem that way. We're going to seem critical. Yeah. It's how, but what the problem is, is that they perceive that. Mm-hmm. We don't want them to necessarily think that about us as far as it's unnecessarily offensive. Yeah. And the only way to do that is to overly love them. We have to go out of our way to love them extra. I would be curious to hear what the no place for discussion looks like, really. Are they wanting us to have an open mind, to accept more things, to have a discussion on... You know, evolution or something like that. Yes, where the Bible is very clear cut. Yeah. Or if they don't feel heard. Well, I heard another thing uh, last night. I was listening to this atheist rant, and they always say the same things. You know, if God is real, then why is there bad things and all that? You know, Mm -hmm. they say the same thing over and over and over because they can't understand. They don't understand what we believe. Well, he said to Timothy Keller, Okay, this guy's like addressing Timothy Keller, okay. major, uh, you know, person in the Christian world, loves people. The guy looks like one of the nicest guys ever. <laughs> if you approached him with a question, do you think he would openly discuss it with you? Oh, yeah, for sure. This guy is like, well, you need to be able to think about these things and discuss them. And, and you should actually think about whether your belief is wrong or not. I'm like, excuse me, you don't think that we've thought about this? You don't think we've, you know, all every one of us have had doubts right. and searched for truth 
and searched other religions? What do you think? We were born in a vacuum and we never, ever faced the world or reality? Yeah. Of course not. We've been wrestling with us our whole life. It's just that God has revealed himself to us mm -hmm. in some way. He's opened up our hearts and our minds and we can see what's really in the scripture. Yeah. Yep. And that's exciting to us and we love it. I'm totally open to having discussion. I've questioned my faith. I would love to discuss with this guy whatever he wants to talk about. It's just like you said. We don't have necessarily an open mind that allows everything in. Yeah. We have a gate there and we guard what comes in. We listen to it, but then we don't necessarily need to believe it. Yeah. We don't need to, you know, put it into practice. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah, I that. Yeah, I think that's good. Yeah, so the the millennials and other people leave the church because they feel that way. But really, like you said, it's probably because they're not converting people to their own thoughts. They're yeah. not allowed to think wrongly and still be in the church. And they think that that like, means we're not discussing with them when and, we are discussing. And maybe they're more influenced by today's culture in their worldview rather than having a Christian worldview exactly. and thinking through these things yeah. and how church fits into that. Yeah. And I, I kind of want to correct what I just said. I didn't mean that you can't think wrongly and be in the church. I'm just saying that if you're thinking wrongly, you will end up leaving the church because they disagree with you in right. so many different points. Um, so then you say, oh, we can't have a discussion. No. Hey, we'll discuss with you till we're blue in the face. As long as there's a moving forward. If you just say the same thing over and over again, we got to we got to end this because it's just wasting everybody's time. One last clip before we go to our quote of the day. You know, people in my own church, again based on that research by Barna, if people are showing up twice a month, that means at most they're probably getting 60 minutes of hopefully good Bible teaching directly from their church and church leaders any given month. Yeah, and that's assuming that they're actually getting Bible teaching exegetically. But chances are they're engaging in all kinds of Christian media throughout the month, whether it's radio or podcasts or books or whatever, and the local church isn't helping them curate that content at all. Yeah. So they're not, they're not discerning between what's really good and what is junk food or even heretical. And how could they if they're not under leadership or eldership? under people who study the word and are there to protect you. They're there to protect you. That's their job. Remember, as one who would give an account to God for your soul? Uh, yeah, anyway, back to the clip itself. I love this point. This is one thing that unsuspecting people, unbelievers especially, but even Christians don't understand. Christian bookstores... Christian radio, Christian newspapers, and news websites do not discern whether or not what they're putting out is heretical. You can walk in right now to any Christian bookstore and find heretical teaching that is straight yeah, as long as it's a top against seller. the Bible. Yep, especially if it's a top seller. Um, and that's something that Christians don't understand. They think just because it's on Christian radio or in a song. Hey, guess what? I was in the Christian music radio Ooh, industry yeah. for 10 years touring in a band. Yeah. And a lot of the people writing this song, the producers, writers, and everything for these Christian bands, mm -hmm. a lot of them are not even Christians. It's really sad. It's And Christians do not understand that. Mm-hmm. 
There are so many producers that are just putting things out there. They're not even Christians. They don't go to church. They don't believe in, they might believe in God or something, but then it makes it to Christian radio because of all the money and the producing and all this stuff. And there's been so many songs that have literally just been pulled from radio. Um, You know, tell me I'm worth dying for. Like that song. Remember that song? I don't remember that It was like a one hit wonder kind of deal. (laughs) Tell me I'm worth dying for or something like that. It's like, no, you were not worth dying for. Yeah, no. You were a sinner. And that is the whole point of grace. You did nothing to deserve (laughs) God dying for you and saving you. You were horrible. You were wretched. You were a putrid pile of dung. Yeah, that's not worth dying for. (laughs) Yeah. And Christ, in his mercy, in his great love, said, I'm going to die and save that person. Yeah. So that he can come and live with me forever. Yeah. It's God's glory that's worth dying for. <laughs> that's grace. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So he says, yeah, you know, we're even listening to stuff that's heretical. And that is where shepherds come in. That's where the church community comes in. That's where you go into small group and you're like, did you guys hear this song I just heard? And then like four people turn to you and go, um, ex- that really is heretical. You should never listen to that again. <laughs> yeah, Or go <laughs> you know? to the Bible and... Find out where where's some errors in this. Exactly. Right. But that community is there to guard you. Which leads us to the quote of the day. The man who attempts Christianity without the church shoots himself in the foot, shoots his children in the leg, and shoots his grandchildren in the heart. Yeah, I think the point of that quote is really neat how it shows you're not just hurting yourself you're not just hurting your children in two generations it's over yeah which i think might even shed some light onto why the millennials are leaving the church have we been starting this back in our parents day and their parents day we're not shepherded well and that maiming ends up costing the church life of many of these yep. people. That's right. That I've, there was another quote that I heard a long time ago when I was first married, and I really loved it. I'm going to mangle it probably, but it was something like, you can't necessarily tell how good your parenting is by the results of your children, but you tell by the results of your grandchildren. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. All right. It's time for a commercial break. Here's a word from our sponsor. I pick them up one by one, and I look at each individual goldfish. And when I picked this one up, I knew he was special. He had a cross on him, and he had a crown circle up by his head, something I'd never seen before out of all the goldfish I've eaten. I was like, this is a special goldfish. And I, maybe that's why the Lord chose me, because he knew I wouldn't eat it. So that, that smiles back. Goldfish. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> She's she is special. That's probably a fact. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well those are, those are, that's good. Mm-hmm. Holy goldfish. Holy yeah. They're keeping the show going. <laughs> <laughs> Music and movies. Ooh. Miranda, do you have a song I might that have you'd a like song. to share with us? Yes. I'm not gonna personally sing it. What? No. So, yeah, Matt mentioned just 
a little bit ago about the Christian music industry. And so a little side note to the music that we recommend. We're not necessarily recommending the people who sing the songs, the churches they come from, the bands they're in, because we know enough from being in the music industry that there's a lot of, I don't want to say a lot more people who aren't living out what they're claiming, but there's more than you expect, and it's sad. So what we are looking for is songs that lift up Christ and songs that draw us closer to him and like this whole show is about it's about how we use that christian media to draw us closer to god and bring him glory mm-hmm. and not in isolation and not, not away in isolation. from not apart from community yeah. not apart from your church um, but there is a place for christian music so yeah so this song i really i just love it because it's about jesus and about his the power of his name it's just as that reminder in the face last week we talked about battling evil Sometimes with battling evil, like we talked about in the last show, we can only see that evil and only see those obstacles in front of us. And when you put Jesus in front of you, it breaks down every fear you have. And yeah, anyways, that's what I love about this song. It's just a powerful song. Hopefully you could hear that if you're in a car, but I love how it is. Like you said, just, it's about Jesus. It's about Christ. They're not afraid to say it. And then it picks up uh, more out here towards the bridge. I'm just going to play that too. something Miranda that I just noticed listening to that song I don't know what'd you it's notice it's a live recording done in community yeah a group of people gathering together to worship yeah. God and music is a tool music is not the reason we gather yeah it's just a tool to worship God well it, it's prayer yeah and something that's neat as I started to look into who this group was they are a worship team from their church I can't say I advocate the church or the pastor but the thing I thought was neat is the the main girl said that she had been trying to write worship music 
And there was a season where God just seemed to bring the right people at the right time, and they were writing songs that were for their congregation, just mm-hmm. like, and that the people started to resonate with them. And it just seemed like God blessed these efforts that they had because it was for their church. It was for the hearts of where their people were at at the time. And so it's it's all about that, just that community. Absolutely. So I'm one of the worship leaders at our church. And there's plenty of times where we're trying to find a song that goes with the sermon so that we can worship and sing what we've learned or listened to. Yeah, as a way of response. Yeah. And I've actually taken, say, hymns and even contemporary songs, and I've written entire verses. Mm -hmm. Because it's a great way for the congregation to already be familiar with the melody and the song itself. But let's face it, 90% of us do not have all the verses of songs memorized. <laughs> yeah, you know, especially a lot of the, hymns. Especially yeah. <laughs> hymns. A lot of the choruses we might know, so it might be weird to change. But it's very easy to change the verses to something that's more Christ-centered or biblically sound. And there's no rules. It's just a song. Yeah. So it, it's it been a really great tool for us. And especially when we're changing them to worship God like we were talking about. I was in a situation and they had changed some words that they took the word sin out. Yeah. And yeah, we don't even need to go there. That but church that's shall a whole, remain nameless. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we'll name it some other time. That was really dumb. Yeah. Because some churches don't believe Because it would sin. make someone uncomfortable. Yep. Yeah, that's actually changing songs in a way to make people more comfortable, make them want to be there, uh, encouraging them, kind of like we were saying Christian media does. That goes right with this next clip. He talks about the church and how we've done that and kind of some history there. Yeah, perfect. This is Sky Jathani, and this video is great. Of course, it's in our show notes at ascribeanddeclare.com. So go listen to the whole thing because it is so valuable. But we pulled a clip. He's talking about the difference between the old cruise liners or the old shipping lines that used to, you know, take people from one continent to the other continent. And he's comparing that now to cruise ships. And comparing the church, how the church is like a cruise ship and the process that the cruise ships went through. Before, a ship was a a form of transportation, but with cruises, the ship became the destination. That's why modern cruise ships dwarf the old ocean liners. They have to cram so many features on board to attract passengers. Today, megaships have parks, carousels, water slides, ice skating, roller skating, bumper cars, simulated surfing, simulated skydiving, simulated families, even bowling lanes. I mean, seriously, who goes bowling on a cruise ship? All of this happened because ships went from being vehicles to being destinations. So what does all this have to do with the church? Well, like ocean liners, for centuries, churches had a simple purpose. They gathered people together and transported them into communion with God. That was it. But in the 1960s, changes in our culture started drawing young people away from the church. Baby boomers weren't that interested in connecting with God anymore. And small, simple churches just couldn't compete with the attraction of shopping malls and multiplexes and rock concerts. But some innovative pastors came along with a new idea. If people no longer felt the need to connect with God then perhaps something else would draw them into the church. The need for community or entertainment or help with their families. In other words, 
Rather than making the church a vehicle for connecting with God, they decided to make the church a destination in itself. They even invented a new word. We used to talk about Christians and non-Christians or believers and non-believers, but starting in the 1970s, we began talking about the unchurched. And since then, the number of megachurches has exploded while the actual number of people attending church has declined. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Such an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. And it's happened in such a short amount of time, too. Yeah. You have all history where the church was gathering, the church was gathering, and then boom, now we have this mass exodus out of the church. In the same way, shipping lines became extinct yeah, um, because of airplanes and jets and stuff like that. Well, and back in the podcast that we had talked about before that he had done an interview with Russell Moore, he talked about how a lot, a lot of church changes when the communication forms change. So saying like even back with the Romans and the road systems that they made that made the spread of the gospel and then the printing press, it made the, the gospel, the whole Bible available to the common people. Well, that changed the way they did church. Now people could have the Bible in their own hands. And then now in today's digital age, communication is changing so quickly that it's really changing the look and the shape of how people consume mm -hmm. their what they need for church. Exactly. Uh, let's move on now. We're going to shift gears now. We're going to talk a little bit more about what the Bible says and how we are supposed to do church. Yeah, why it really matters. And as a result of the misdiagnosis uh, of the church or the misperception of all these unchurched yeah. unbelievers, they are fleeing the church because yeah. they don't. They're not understanding what the church is actually for. Mm -hmm. So if it's supposed to be entertainment, if it's supposed to be something that makes me feel good and comfortable, yeah, and it's inclusive of everybody, <laughs> well, <Yeah>. then <laughs> when you're faced with the gospel, boom, you're going to split. Well, yeah. And I mean, I even saw this back in youth group. We would go and you play these silly games and fruit basket upset. And it's this funny thing, but I kept thinking – we're here at church. We should be here to seek God. We should be here to experience God. Kids should want to come because we can give them something they can't get anywhere else. If they're coming here to play a game, they can surely have a lot more fun playing mm -hmm. their Xbox, Wii, whatever it was back then Yeah, that they're not going to have in church. They're not coming to church to have the most fun they could ever have. They should be coming to church because we have the answers. We have their real heartfelt needs right here in this church, the power mm -hmm. of God. And real community. And real community. Yeah. Hence the reason that they started putting Xboxes and Wii's <laughs> right. in church. Because they figured out Fruit Basket <laughs> Upset could not compete with Call of Duty. <laughs> right. Can you imagine going to church to play Call of Duty? No, I can't even I, no, fathom. I, I and you know that actually is happening? Yes. Probably right now probably as we speak. Church sponsored. Yep, right now as we speak, church sponsored Call of Duty or whatever else. Uh, anyway, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So here's Trip Lee talking about people who say that they love God. They say they love Jesus, mm -hmm. but they're also saying they don't love the church. And so it absolutely is possible for someone to love Jesus, but not his people yet. But that's not what we're called to. And I think when I meet somebody who's in that place, I want to help them to see how that's a little bit illogical. And here's why. When we are adopted by Jesus into his family, just like a, a regular adoption. So if my, me and my wife adopted a child... Uh, that child, when it when it becomes a part of our family, 
they not only have a new relationship with us and that we're father and mother to that child, they also have a relationship to my son and to my current daughter, right? They now have a brother and a sister and they can't just claim my name like, oh, those are my parents and have my last name and ignore their brother and sister. There have been a lot of relationships that have changed. So that when we become Christians, there's an identity change and that now we belong to Jesus when his family. But also there's an identity change in that now we have a lot of brothers and sisters and we cannot claim Jesus and then ignore the brothers and sisters that we now have. That's part of what it means to be in the family. And of course, there are a ton of commands about how we're supposed to interact with each other as family. So I often understand what people are when they say that, but I want to help them see the inconsistency of it, especially that one of the main things that Jesus, who's adopted us, calls us to is to love one another, not to forsake the gathering of ourselves together. Uh, and if we really love Jesus, then we're going to grow in our love for his people. Yeah, I think that he hits on a really good point because I like how he says that he wants to bring them to see the inconsistencies in that thinking. Because, yeah, it's easy to love God. He's very lovely. People, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> exactly. I love his analogy, you know, it's so good. and it's obviously it's analogy that is in the Bible. Yeah. But people just don't draw it out. We are the family of God. Yeah. So how do you say, oh, I love God, but I hate his family? Or we are the body of God. We're the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. How do you say, oh, yeah, I love being a finger, but I really hate that there's an arm. Yeah. I don't want to be attached to that arm. <laughs> Those feet are terrible. I hate my eyes. It doesn't It doesn't work that yeah. way. No. You can't draw yourself out of the label of who you are. Is, you know, the, the church is a label for believers. Yeah. It is for the elect. Yeah. So you can't say, oh, I don't want to be a part of the church. Well, then you're not being a part of the body. You're not being a part of the elect. The family of God. The family of God. Yeah. You're disowning everybody. It doesn't work that way. So how does that relate to Christian media? Christian media aside from the church or apart from the church, isolates people and makes them feel good about being alone or being individual or working on their own individual relationship with Christ. It's encouraging. It's positive. It's saying, you know what? Don't worry about that. You just snuggle up with your pillow, pull your covers up, and you just tune into that TBN. Because they're going to tell you everything you want to hear. Yeah. It's okay. You know, and that it's, <laughs> and it's they use soothing. That yeah, they use that voice too. Actually, the it's a worse voice than that. <laughs> yes, and I am not is. kidding you. I cannot stand some of those DJs. Uh, they, they talk worse than that. Yeah. Oh, snuggle up with your cup of coffee. and Well, and when you compare it to the difference of, say, going to a buffet or you're driving, you know, that diet, how are you getting your food? You're picking up some snacks here and there and you're mm -hmm. just snacking, snacking all day. Well, that difference, we all know that home cooked grandma's meal, <laughs> everyone meal. around the table, the room is probably 10 degrees warmer than it should be. <laughs> There's that weird uncle at the end. You're probably that weird uncle. <laughs> yeah, I probably am. <laughs> But, you know, there's a different element to it. There's a different feeling to it other than that snacking of, well, I like this and I want this. But mm -hmm. there's there's a wholeness to that community and that gathering together. You made a really good point. You don't just come to the church to be fed. We don't just go to Thanksgiving to be fed. Yep. 
um, you go there to celebrate, to be in community, and to contribute. Yeah. How are you yes. contributing to the church? How are you using your gifts? That's right. How are you loving the community and loving God's people yeah. if you're at home in bed? Well, and when you when you come to that, you say, what can I bring? What can I bring? Yep. Here's my offering, God. Use me in any way you can. He is calling you to be in the church, yeah. to be using your spiritual gifts. Uh, I've got a bunch of verses here. I'll put them in the show notes. First John 1, 7. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You say, oh, well, I go to church with my two, three people. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you about that. But when you're saying, no, I don't go to church, I hate the church. Now you're talking about something different because those two or three people insofar as they're Christians, insofar as you're reading the word, insofar as you're doing community and communion together. Yeah. That is the church. Yeah. You just maybe don't like institutional religion. That That's a different story. That here. is, yeah. Hebrews 10. Okay. And I think there are so many poor representation <clears throat> of what Christ meant the church to be. Mm -hmm. And that is, you can dislike those things. Yep. You can dislike the water slide church because... <laughs> You're probably not going to find Jesus to going down. <laughs> Baptism by water slide. In the name oh. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you. Pick your song before you go down. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure it's Jesus, a take the wheel. <laughs> oh, man. I knew you were going to sing on this. <laughs> See, and you're doing one of the, the spiritual gifts right there oh, singing songs and spiritual, spiritual melodies gift. inside your heart i think it was more of a joyful noise that, that was very <laughs> joyful <laughs> i was gonna pull out some verses you know hebrews 10 obviously we can't and this is where i think a lot of this this error comes from is once you start listening to christian media it's like you said before it's a buffet you are only picking the chicken wings yes you you did not pick the egg dumpling soup or whatever yes. that was. I'm not touching this, the shrimp. Yeah. See? And that's what they do exactly with Christian media. Mm -hmm. So you're being fed in one direction. Israel, Israel, Israel. I'm only listening to things about Israel. And then you're missing an entire side that says, hello, do not forsake the gathering. So yeah. you're picking and choosing your theology. Well, you're picking and choosing the verses that you live by. And how many of us are going to Christian media sources to look on how to be good parents? That's great. That's yep. right. But how many of us really need our pride addressed? How many of us yep. need our control issues addressed, our patience issues addressed? Yep. You know, we need to be made like Christ. We maybe don't need five steps to being a better parent. We maybe yep. need five steps to being more like Jesus. And that only comes in a church body where there's a mix of gifts happening and the pastor is preaching from the Bible. Yes. He's preaching exegetically. I've actually had people say to me, and you've had it, oh, your church isn't balanced. Actually, our church is balanced with the Bible. Yeah. Um, because our preacher emphasizes whatever the Bible is emphasizing. So it seems like we might be learning a lot about suffering. We might be learning a lot about sin and how to be in community and elder, uh, being submitted to your elders and being in the church. But guess what? 
That's what the entire book of First Peter is about. Yeah. Which so is when where you're we're preaching right the Bible, that's the information that you're going to be receiving. So a visitor comes in, oh, you only talk about this. Well, guess what? We don't only talk about that. But the Bible talks about that far more than it talks about parenting. Yeah. Or marriage. You know, there's select chunks. It mostly talks about God and the gospel and your relationship to that gospel. And how are you responding to that gospel? In everyday life. Yeah. In everyday life. When you take it in as a buffet, you get to pick and choose your own stuff. When you take it in as the Bible gives it, yeah. <laughs> that's a lot harder. And it's not as comfortable. Yeah. It's not as relevant and trendy. It's hard to develop those uh, sermons. Oh, I'm trying to think when, you know, when the the points are all start with the same letter. Oh, I forgot what the name of that is. Uh, uh, pause. I'm going to Google it just a second. Please hold. Okay, I Googled it. It's alliteration. Alliteration. I can't believe I didn't know that. Okay. I feel less smart than I did five minutes ago. Wow. Well, <laughs> I didn't really even know there was a name for it, but alliteration. Yeah. This is why we homeschool, right? Yep. Because we're qualified. I just want to <laughs> give a shout out to one last article. Uh, Jesus loves his church, so you should too, mm -hmm. at crossway.org. I put a link in there. I'm just going to give you a quick quote but who needs the local church when I have sermons, my music, and my community the way that I want them? At the Church of the Mirror, and I think what he means is like just being alone by yourself right. um, at your house, mm -hmm. I think. At the Church of the Mirror, there is no conflict, no struggle, no disagreement, and no real need for unity. So why bother? I can have it all. Ooh. That's somebody in isolation. And then he says, according to scripture, the church is the bride of Christ. We talked about that. When we speak poorly of the church, we are speaking of Jesus's bride. Think about that for a moment. Our condemning and hurtful comments directed at the church are addressed to the bride of our Savior. Do you think he's just fine with that? Hmm. I mean, that's powerful. Yeah, that is. You cannot say that you love Jesus. And attend St. Mattress. And attend St. <laughs> Mattress. You cannot say that you love Jesus and not love his people. Right. Because love his, we are not love his bride. Yep. Yeah. His bride is the church. And we are that bride. You yeah. leave, you go have church somewhere else. I can't fellowship with you. I can't um, do my spiritual gifts. You can't exercise your spiritual gifts. Yeah. We're not in community. You are forsaking the gathering by doing that. Uh, that's number one, how Christian media pulls us away. And we do not want to be that. Right. We do not want to pull you away. If this podcast. This is, is not church. <laughs> this is not church. Disclaimer. If this podcast is pulling you away from something or taking the place of something in your life. Yeah. That is supposed to be met at the church, which would be knowing, leading, feeding, the flock, that's what shepherds are called to do, knowing, leading, feeding, and protecting the flock. If you're getting fed by this podcast and not in the church, mm -hmm. stop listening to this podcast immediately and everything else. That's and Christian repent. media. And repent <laughs> and then put yourself Go in the Go take a good meal. 
put yourself into the church and put yourself under the elders there. Yeah. Um, but this podcast is made to be a snack. You get your main meal at church and you pack a bag of fruit snacks in the lunchbox as you go to work. That's that's what this is. It's just an outside thing meant to point you to the Bible, point you to church and encourage you in your faith, encourage you to share the gospel, and most importantly, encourage you to glorify God in everything you do. And on that note, I'm Miranda. And I'm Matt. And the kids are getting hungry. Oh, Jesus.